You are listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. This message is the second part of the series called Multiply. Today's message, given on November 26, 2017, is titled Sharing Life. This week, I read an interesting article. It was written a couple years ago by a man. He actually grew up on Long Island. His name is Ed Stetzer. It's called Overcoming the Discipleship Deficit. So a deficit is when something is lacking, and he believes, and he did some research in this, of what is missing in Christian churches today. And this is not just in one church. This is across the United States. Let me read for you just two paragraphs, and then we're going to go from there. This is what he says, or he writes. He says, studies show that significant numbers of people are not making the complete journey to becoming robust disciples. And let me pause. A disciple is a follower of Christ, okay? And he says, this finding was mainly attributed to the fact that people faced situations or places along their journey where they found themselves stuck and unable to progress forward to deeper Christian maturity. Believers were failing to engage in taking the next step of their spiritual journey. With regard to the steps that they were actually taking, there was somewhat a sense of dissatisfaction. Converts were being made. Churches are securing people who made decisions for Christ, but far too few are growing into mature disciples of Christ. Now, when I read that, that bothered me. I don't know if that bothered you when you just heard that, but, you know, and I think that bothers God as well, too. But you know what? There is a remedy, and we're going to talk about that remedy today. What we said last week was we said, what could we do that might make the greatest impact in spreading the kingdom of God? And we said, what if the one who had the full authority of God sent us to do something, and he promised to always be with us. Well, of course, that's Jesus, and he had some compelling words for his followers that if we get a hold of these words and make them a part of our life, that could really make a huge difference. Now, I want to just read the verse from last week. Um, You don't have to turn there. You'll probably remember it, but this is the Great Commission. It's Matthew 28, and I just want to read it to you. Okay, this is what we looked at, Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 20. And he said, Jesus said, all authority, not some authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we said that that great commission, which is that middle verse in there, go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe everything. That is bracketed by two sides. The first thing that is bracketed by is the fact that Jesus has the authority. Jesus has the authority that everything that exists, he has the authority for it. And then not only does he give us a charge and tell us what to do, but he says, I'm not going to leave you alone in doing this. I am going to be with you some of the time. No. 
Always, always, even till everything ends. And that's awesome. And then the thing that we also said last week was the word in Greek that is translated to disciple does have the connotation of a follower or a pupil, but it's not just that. It's to be a follower and then in turn to make other followers. Both parts are needed. Okay, that's where we get this idea of multiply coming from. So that, you know, things will reproduce. People who are following Christ will reproduce and lead other people to Christ, and they will in turn follow Christ, and they will in turn do the same. So both parts are needed, and if you only have the one part where you're following, but you're not leading someone along in the ways of Christ, you kind of have an incomplete uh, definition of a disciple in your life. And we said this, we said, disciples mature while making other disciples. You know, some people feel, uh, you know, they'll say, I, I get that you're saying that, Pastor Bob, but I just don't feel qualified to do it. And today, we're going to give you a very practical way how to make disciples and a tool that will help us do it. Okay, and the key thing here is, you know, there's a saying, it says, God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And so if God is calling you to help someone come to faith in Christ, grow in their faith in Christ, you know, you might not feel qualified, but if he's called you, he will qualify you. And he will equip you. And as we read in the beginning, he will be with you always. So we're going to introduce that tool in a little while. But first, I believe there's an attitude that we need to develop if we want to make disciples who in turn make other disciples. Okay? I mean, we could uh, take somebody through some information and transfer that information to them But if it just stops there, have we really accomplished a lot? Maybe we've accomplished a little bit for the kingdom. But if we want to see that continue on, I believe we need to look at this attitude that we're going to talk about today. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to a church in Thessalonica. Anyone ever been to Thessalonica? I I haven't, but, uh, you know, it's somewhere in the Middle East. And uh, this is, it's interesting because there were people who were being critical of Paul's ministry. And they were making accusations about things that he was doing that he shouldn't and things that he should have done that he wasn't. And the beginning of chapter 2, which we're not going to read, he starts to make a defense for his ministry. But then he goes into a section here that I want to look at because this gives you some insight into the heart of the apostle Paul in terms of making disciples who will in turn make other disciples. So um, I'm going to read just this passage, and then we'll go back and pick it apart. So we're going to start reading at verse 7. He says this, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children. Isn't that just a beautiful picture? Right? You know, I mean, Anne 
you know, she just loved that time when each one of our kids was at that stage of life. It was just such a, a caring and nurturing, lovely time. And then, so verse 8, and this is the verse we're going to key in on, so just be sure you get this one. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves. Or in some translation it says, we were share our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. And while we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Verse 11. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let me stop there. In the beginning, he talked about how he was like a nurturing mother. And now he's talking about how he's like a good father who is exhorting and encouraging us and charging us to walk in the way and to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. So we've got both sides there. Everybody's included. Everybody can do this. And then he finishes up in verse 13. For he says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Discipleship apart from the word of God is useless. It will not accomplish anything. I mean, you can be a follower of somebody else, but you can't follow Jesus unless you ingest the word of God. It is so key. And the Thessalonians realized that, hey, this wasn't just Paul speaking, because at that time the Bible hadn't been written down. Of course, the Old Testament was written, but... You know, and, and this is a, just a great verse that talks about the authority and the inspiration of the Word of God there. Okay, it's, it's not just a bunch of guys talking about things. It's God proclaiming the life through the Word as it's being revealed right there. So, th- so that is key. And then verse 14, and this is where we'll stop. It says, for you brothers became imitators, circle that, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Okay, we'll get back to that. Let's back up to verse 8 in the passage. Okay, in verse 8, Paul speaks of two things that he shared with this group of people. The first is the gospel, and the second is they shared their lives. Now, the gospel is essential. The gospel is essential. And we've been giving you this framework in the fall, this autumn, of just four words that really encapsulate the gospel. Anyone remember what the first word is? God. Okay? God created us. God loves us. And we are accountable to God. The second word is man, women, or us. Okay? And the problem that we have is we've all sinned. We've fallen short of what God wanted. We, as a people, have rebelled against him. 
And we can't make up that on our own. We can't bridge that gap on our own. And so God had a remedy for that. The third word is Jesus. He sent his son, Jesus, to be the remedy. Okay? And Jesus lived a perfect life, died a death on the cross that he did not deserve, but he did it because of what he wanted to accomplish. God raised him from the dead. Jesus is still alive today. And Jesus is the only way that we can be forgiven of our sin, which we've all done. And not only does, can we be forgiven of sin, but that establishes us into a new relationship with him when we do the fourth word. What's the fourth word? Anyone remember? Response. It involves repentance. You're right. It involves having faith. And faith is another word for trust. And it involves repentance. Repentance is a change of direction, a change of heart, and a change of mind. So instead of following our own ways, we are turning from that and turning to following Jesus. And Paul's saying, we shared the gospel with you. And you cannot make a disciple of Christ unless somebody has known about the gospel and responds to the gospel. That is essential. So, and and that's key. And, you know, as I look around, I, I know where many of you are on the map of the spiritual map. But if you have not yet responded and trusted in Christ, I invite you to do that today. And I would be happy after the service. Please don't leave. Come talk with me. We'll talk about it. We'll pray together. You can respond today. Today can be your day. That's essential. But also, what does Paul mean when he says, we were ready to share our own selves or our own lives? What, what does he mean by that? I think what he means is this. When we share life, we share more than just sharing information. True discipleship involves deep relationships. Jesus didn't just lead a weekly Bible study, did he? No, no, that's not what he did. He lived his life with his disciples, and primarily it was 12 of them, and he taught through his actions as well as his words. And while that does require more of a commitment than just leading a class, quite frankly, that's the only way to truly make disciples who will in turn make other disciples. You see, sharing our lives is the attitude that you and I need to develop if we want to make disciples who in turn make other disciples. And quite frankly, we're charged with that, aren't we, in that Great Commission verse? We're told to go and make disciples. So Paul is saying here that the gospel is essential. You cannot start the Christian life any other way than by the gospel. But we need to begin to invest our lives into the life of others if we want them to become disciples and then equip them to make other disciples. And, you know, I think back of people who really impacted my life, you know, and it wasn't the people that necessarily taught me something, but it was the people who came alongside me at a difficult moment, the people who prayed with me, the people who encouraged me, the people who even called me into ministry. People like that invested in me. 
They didn't just like, you know, here, read this and, you know, take two and call me in the morning. It wasn't that. And that made a huge difference. And so here's a key thing that I would like you to take away today. Know this. The gospel shapes us to share ourselves. The gospel shapes us to share ourselves. You know, Jesus didn't just phone it in. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We call that the incarnation. When the eternal son of God, the second member of the Trinity, came and took on human flesh. And that's what we celebrate this Advent and Christmas season. And he lived amongst people. He lived amongst kind of a motley crew, didn't he? Bunch of fishermen and a former crooked tax collector, an extortionist. <laughs> okay? So, you know, Jesus could have said, oh, God, why'd you put me with these people? But he didn't. He loved them. And then greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus called those people friends. Do you see that love? Do you see in Paul when he's talking about the affection that he had, like a nursing mother, or the, uh, the correction and encouragement of a concerned father? Do you see what he said in verse 8, being affectionately desirous of you? And we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but our own selves. Why? Because you had become very dear to us. This is a context of relationship. And quite frankly, today, I would say there are many more people who are living with the fallout of broken relationships today. Would you agree with me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Young men are growing up without any father figure in their life. And we are so grateful when someone else comes alongside them to help them along the path, and to deal with the struggles that they have to deal with. There are young women who think that the only way they can gain the affection of a man because their father gave them nothing is to pour themselves out physically into the life of another young man. And they'll do stuff that probably they don't want to do because they didn't have that. And yet there are women who are coming alongside these younger women and helping and nurture them. And showing them, you know, we, we support the Soundview Pregnancy Center. Great ministry to women who become pregnant and decide not to abort the little one inside them. And there are many other things like that. But that's what happens. God puts us on this earth. He doesn't just write us a ticket to heaven when we trust in Christ and then like, okay, let's just, you know, go do whatever we want until it's time to check out here. No, he uses us. He uses you. He uses you. He uses me to help make other followers of Christ. And everybody has a place at which they start. It's not like, you know, you might be like, oh, well, I want them to become a Christian first before I start discipling them. No, you might be the one that God wants to use to give the good news of the gospel into their life so that they can trust in Jesus and then you can start to equip them. I don't know what God's going to do, but, you know, let's, let's make ourselves available. So that's what he means 
by sharing our lives, okay? Now, how do we do this, though? How, how, how does that happen? Anyone have that question? Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to know how I could do it better. And here's the thing. We said the gospel shapes us to share our lives. And how does this happen? Well, when we respond to Jesus in faith, that fourth word we talked about, that begins a transformation in our life. Favorite memory verse of mine says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, right? I see some of you mouthing along with me with that. That's awesome. That's a great one. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Learn that one, okay? That's talking about a transformation. So it begins when we trust in Christ, and he starts to change us, okay? And then remember, uh, at our passage for today, look at verse 14, You became imitators, I had you circle that, of the churches of God in Christ Jesus. You see, we learn from what we see, don't we? Of course we do. And we do, what we do, other people imitate. You know, I I just, you know, find it funny. My, My son Rob, he just... You know, he's like sporting the cool hair thing, you know. And then some of the younger boys, all of a sudden, they're trying to show up at at, uh, the Edge Youth Group where Rob's a sponsor. All of a sudden, they're kind of like doing their hair like he does, you know. And, uh, you know, that's what happens. People see something, and then they imitate it. We had a great time uh, at Thanksgiving visiting my mom, who's out in Greenport in assisted living. And we're sitting around after we ate the meal, and we're just all talking about funny kid stories, My kids, don't panic. We're not going to tell any of them right now, okay? But we started talking about some of the funny things that the kids did when they were little. And I'm like, you know, this isn't fair to them. I want to, you know, throw my hat in the ring. So I looked at my mom and I said, all right, mom, I give you permission. Tell a story about me when I was young. And the kids were like, yeah, go ahead, grandma, you know? I just couldn't wait. So my mom, you know, she's sitting down and she says, all right, when you were this big, I'll never forget the time when I came, the bathroom door was open, and I walked in there, and you were there with the toilet bowl brush in the toilet, stirring it around, and I asked you, what are you doing, Robert? And you said, cooking soup. Because I had seen my mom cook soup. She didn't cook it in the toilet. She cooked it on the stovetop. But kids imitate what they see, right? You guys are laughing because you're probably thinking of something where your kids did it or maybe, you know, you did it yourself. I, I don't know what that is. But that reinforces the principle that we learn from what we see and what we do other people imitate. And so after we respond to Jesus in faith, it's vital that we are transformed into people that other people can emulate, imitate, follow. That is so key. Now, last week, another thing that we talked about, you'll remember I talked about that little booklet by Dawson Trotman, the founder of the Navigators Ministry, primarily to college students, but, you know, they've had much wider spread as well. And uh, the book was called Born to Reproduce, and in that, we highlighted four hindrances to reproducing spiritually 
that have parallels to reproducing physically, okay? And I'm going to just remind you of these four areas, and but I want to do is I want you to think about, you know, because today we're talking about not just sharing the gospel, which is key, but sharing our lives as well. And I would like you to think about how in these four areas, if we are having a problem in this area, we might not be reproducing, but also it would become an, imp- an impediment to us sharing our lives as well. Okay, the first area that we talked about that is an impediment to reproducing is if you're not united. You have to be united in order to reproduce. And Christians are to live in union with Jesus Christ. That begins when we turn in faith to him, when we respond to him. But it grows through communion, union, communion, and I don't just mean when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, but as we talk with him, as we pray, as we read his word, all these things, that helps us to grow more united. And you know what? I think the way it affects us if we're not united in terms of sharing our lives is, you know, we can't share what we don't have ourselves, right? We can't share something that we don't have ourselves. So I would hope that would be a challenge to us. First of all, if you are not united to Christ yet through faith and repentance, I would, as I said, I invite you to do that today. But I would encourage you to amp up the union with Christ in your life. I would, I would encourage you to do that, okay? The second area that he talked about where people can't reproduce is immaturity, okay? Thankfully, we said little kids can't reproduce because that would just be crazy, okay? And you know what? But immature Christians can't reproduce spiritually either. And and why did we say that? Well, we said, you know, immature people, one of the characteristics of an immature person is they don't change. They don't change. And part of what we're talking about is this transformation, this new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And if we're still struggling with the basic things and we're just like, you know what, oh, I'll deal with that later, well, that's a sign of immaturity. Sharing our lives involves transparency. What is one of the biggest indictments people have about Christians? You've probably heard it. Oh, you Christians, you're all a bunch of... Right, okay? God doesn't want that. Not that we have to be perfect, but in order to be transparent, we have to, be, um, we have to press on towards maturity. And if we're not being transformed, why should they? Right? So how do we grow? Well, we grow by the word, we grow by prayer, we go by worship, we grow by worship, we grow by uh, fellowship with each other, we grow by surrendering our, our um, will to God's will. There's a whole lot of ways we grow. But if we're immature as believers, don't take that as a condemnation, but take that as an encouragement to grow. And when we do that, then that will not be a hindrance to us sharing our life as well with another. The third area that is an impediment to reproduction is some people have disease or they have a damaged organ that's necessary for reproduction, and they can't. And what we said was we said sin is the disease 
that hinders us from making disciples. And I'm not so much talking about what I'll call occasional accidental sin because I'm not perfect. I, I aspire to try to not sin, but, you know, doesn't the scripture say if we claim to be without sin, uh, you know, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then what does it turn around and say right after that? It says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's not so much the occasional accidental sin that is a disease, but it is the willful, repeated sin in someone's life. And you know what that actually does? Willful, repeated sin actually hinders our prayers. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity, iniquity is sin, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So, if we're praying for something, and there's willful, repetitive sin in our life, God will be like, I'm not hearing what you're asking for right now because I want to deal with the sin in your life first. That is more important because that can reestablish the temporary break in our relationship. And then once we get that reestablished, then I'll listen to the other stuff. So sin is a disease that hinders us from making disciples. And quite frankly, that also hinders us from sharing our life as well because we've gotten that broken relationship with Christ at the time. The fourth area that we said hinders people from reproducing is busyness. If you're so busy and you're married to somebody, you know, you're just not going to have kids. It's just not going to work. And you know what? It's the same thing spiritually. If Dawson Trotman said this. He says, we have a lot of spiritual activity, but we have little productivity. We're doing a lot. We're the hamster doing the wheel dance, but not a lot is happening as a result of that. And, you know, listen, is there anyone here who could say, I wish I was a little less busy? Yeah, I think almost all the hands shot up, Okay. And, and here's why that hinders us from sharing our life with another person. Because, quite frankly, it takes time to share life with another person. We've got to take something off or out of our schedule in order to have time to plug in time to be with this other person. You know, as I said, we can't just phone it in. Okay, We've got to make time. And, and you know... It is so rewarding when we put time aside to be with another person, to encourage them along the walk to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. I look back at times like that where maybe somebody's reached out to me and says, can we talk? And something miraculous happens. That's just so awesome. I look forward to things like that. And you know what? So we need to not be accidental disciplers, okay? We need to intentionally schedule time to pour into the life of another person. Well, I hope that this has motivated you to share your life 
and also to share how the gospel has affected you in your life with someone else. Because the gospel shapes us to share ourselves. But I promised you last week I would give you a tool to do this. We're going to do that right now. There's a great tool called multiplymovement.com. It's actually written down in your bulletin at the bottom, so you don't have to, you know, sometimes you hear something and then you write it wrong and then you type it in and it, you know, the, the, the internet can't find something if you t- unless you type it exactly. Okay, multiplymovement.com is a website. Uh, let's flip to that. Okay, and it's actually put together by Francis Chan and David Platt. Maybe you haven't heard of David Platt, but you've heard of Francis Chan, right? We've used some of his stuff before. And it is a tool that they've developed. There's no charge to use this. Everything that you need is available online as long as you have a Bible. You all got a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can take the one that you're holding home with you. And it has sort of an introduction. In fact, that first video clip with the railroad track, you saw that already this morning. And then it has a section on how to use this material, which is instructional to you. And then each one of the... There's sessions, okay? There's actually 24 sessions. You might be like, 24? That's a lot. Well, yeah, it is a lot, but you don't have to do it all at once, okay? And each section, the first one is called, uh, the first part is called Living as a Disciple Maker, and it's, the first section is called What is a Disciple? Now, what's cool about this is you can just click on read and you get the whole thing. If some of you prefer paper, you know, you can actually go and order the book online, you know, at Amazon, have it shipped to you. It's not that expensive if you prefer a paper copy of something. But their desire was to do this at very limited cost to people. In fact, some of you, maybe some of you are better listener learners than reading learners. You can even click on listen and that whole chapter will be spoken to you, okay? Now, you could say, oh, great, I can do it in my car. The only problem is you want to take notes. And please don't take notes while you're driving. That's just wrong. There are some questions that they will give you that they want you to think about. And, um, you know, and then, so, so the method goes like this. You read the chapter, you listen to it, you take notes, you answer questions, okay? And just as an example, I have the first one printed out here. So the first one is called, What is a Disciple? And they go through some things. I'm going to read you one paragraph in it. It says, It is impossible to be a disciple or a follower of someone and not end up being like that person. Jesus said, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Luke 640. That's the whole point of being a disciple of Jesus. We imitate him, we carry on his ministry, and we become like him in the process. And of course, there's more stuff. And then there's the first question. The first question says, up to this point in your life, would you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ? Why do you say that? Do you see evidence of your faith as described in that verse, Luke 640? And so you think about those things, and then you write them down. And then you go on. The next part says, how do I become a disciple? Well, he goes into a whole description of the gospel right there. It's real clear. He describes the gospel, what Jesus did. And then he asks question two. Do you trust in the death of Christ for your salvation? Do you ever struggle with believing that you need to do something to save yourself? 
And he goes on. There's like seven questions. It's not that long. And then what you do is, you know, you're going through it. And then he has a little video clip to teach you how to present that information to another person. So this is what I want you to do this week as we close down. I would like you this week to go to this website, read chapter one, not the introductory material there that talks about how to use it. We'll get to that. But go to part one, what is a disciple, and read it, take notes, answer the questions. You watch the rest of that video that you just saw. And then I want you, as you have any questions about this, I want you to send it to me, email it to me, okay? And I will address them next week. And if last week when I asked you, remember I asked you to pray and ask the Lord to put in mind someone who you could disciple, if God puts someone in your heart, I would like you to consider how might you present that session to them, okay? And if he hasn't done that yet or you didn't know about that and you haven't had a chance to ask yet, keep praying to the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to disciple? Because the gospel shapes us to share ourselves. And when we share our life, we open a door to share the new life in Christ, the kind that really matters and the only kind of life that truly saves. This can make a huge impact as we join Jesus in his mission to make disciples. So next week, bring your notes that you took from this material Bring your questions. I will go over your questions. If any that you sent in to me, I will answer them. And then also, next week, we're really going to focus on the mechanics of how do you actually take somebody through this. And also, I have some final thoughts that I'll share on spiritual multiplication.